Norm! Hey, how's everybody doing? Welcome back to a tale of... Well, three rivals. I'm one of your hosts, your back-to-back -back champ, Todd FF Banterman Foster, joined by... FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright. And I'm, I'm happy to be back, Todd. I'm ready to banter. Sean, I'm ready to go uh, have a little fisticuffs here, and let's get, let's get down. A little fisticuffs. Goodness. Goodness. Who's me. our third guy tonight? Uh, I'm Sean Kennedy at FF underscore Walrus and DynastyFootballFactory.com. Nailed it this week, Todd. I'm, I'm proud of you. Got I'm the cue proud card of ready. you. Uh, so two big things tonight. All right. One, we really got to consider changing the name because every time I get to saying two, I catch myself and it's starting to feel awkward. <laughs> and then, I, you know, for the intro today... I broke out an old classic. I don't know if anybody even knows that reference anymore. You know? Good old Cheers. No? Anyone remember Norm? No? Oh, I, I had it. I'm just curious to see how you're going to apply it. Nor Dude, I just say something random to greet the fo to greet the folks. That's all. You know? If you listen to last episode, I said, what's up? And you probably turned down your volume, like, immediately. Because I didn't realize <laughs> how loud that was. Oh but, uh, yeah. Yeah, D Dave reacted. I, didn't, I thought Dave just thought it was funny. Then I was like, oh, I'm just extremely loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. But anyways, nope. So we're excited. Um, you guys got anything good going on? Yeah, so I've had a lot of fun recently hopping on the the Dynasty Crossroads uh, 100th episode stream with Peter Howard, Zach Reed, uh, Jay Mikecheck, Jake Anderson, and Eat Mazzola. That was a lot of fun. Then also... Hopped on the Off the Rails Dino pod with um, Dynasty Madman, Scott Connor, and uh, DF underscore Walk. We had a lot of fun talking the Brandon Cooks trade and a bunch of other things around the NFL. And also, I've had a lot of fun with the Monocle Dynasty crew doing a tw uh, 12-team startup Superflex mock. We've recorded a couple podcast episodes there, so we've been pretty busy lately. Yeah, it's, it sounds like um, I caught that, uh, that mock draft. Um, you took DJ Moore way too early. Shocking. Of course. Uh, you know, but, you know, it's Dave. That's his boy. Um, Kennedy, what's up with you, man? Uh, the opposite. Nothing. I am in the process of moving, <laughs> so my whole life is living out of boxes and still trying to do my day job and not have all my boxes and everything be in the background of all my Zoom meetings. Fair. I, I, I can imagine the, the that is real. Um, my life of remote teaching with another teacher has been interesting while raising an 18th <laughs> month old in the same space. So, um, yeah, it's been great. So at some point in life, I really plan on having a fantasy article back out there, but I was told I'm actually pretty excited about this. So one of the things I've always wanted to do since I got into fantasy, is not even necessarily write articles. I just want to rank. I just want to make the lists, you know, that's all I want to do. I'm going to get to be one of the rankers for the Debbie rankings, which I'm pretty excited Whoa, about. That's exciting, Todd. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Debbie rankings, like, um, yeah, you better believe I'm going to be, you know, after I do the rankings, there's going to be an, ad uh, an article about how, why we should respect Sam Howell more. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you guys don't know who that is, you should know by now. Go get your uh, 2020, uh, 2022 first rounders. Go get so, your magazines. Uh, get, get, get your own magazines. So, yeah, so... Uh, Last episode, we did one division in the NFC, and it was the NFC West. And just from the Bucks alone, that could have been a one-hour show, which we were able to do in a very efficient 32 minutes. So, um, yeah, so for this episode, we're going to go through the rest of the three divisions of the NFC, 
And then our next show, we're going to get into the free agent frenzy that is the AFC. So um, we're going to start off with the NFC West. And um, so the the first team we're going to be focusing on is going to be the Arizona Cardinals. So the interesting thing about this is when we look at running backs, I don't think a year from a year ago today we'd be talking about Kenyon Drake being such a valuable dynasty piece in the Cardinals backfield. And now he looks like somebody who's been extremely productive and undervalued for two years, and he took advantage of that opportunity. So with that... Uh, Todd, doesn't it just feel like yesterday when we were doing an instant Cardinals reaction, and then like 24 hours later, Kenyon Drake was on the Cardinals? <laughs> that's right. Yes, we were. That's true. We did the Chase Edmonds thing, and then he was there. I'm like, well, that episode was too soon. <laughs> um, yeah, the first time we tried to do that. Yeah, I still love Chase Edmonds. I just drafted him. Um, so, um, yeah, so they placed the transition tag on uh, Kenyon Drake. So, uh, Kennedy. Give me some thoughts on Kenyon Drake. How are you feeling about him as a bell cow versus... Do you see him as a bell cow, or do you see him more of a timeshare with Edmonds? I think I see him as a timeshare. You know, I think a lot of people are leaning bell cow just because of his usage throughout the end of the season last year. But Chase Edmonds was hurt for most of it. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to get back in. And I think they're planning on running so many offensive plays. You know, they've been saying it now for two years. They were pretty good about it last year. And just that volume is going to be insane. And I think yeah. even for an actual bell cow, it would be a lot to keep up with. I think Drake, you know, he unfortunately lived under the reign of the fantasy succubus that is Adam Gates for a while. But now that he's out of there, you know, he's really showing what he can do. But I think it's just, it's, it's too much. So, you know, even if he's handling 70%, I think there's still a lot of good value in Edmonds there. I actually traded for Kenyon Drake in our week a couple years ago, and the reason I really traded for him was um, I thought he was a freak athlete, but mostly because of his receiving upside. And I feel like in this offense, he's like the perfect fit. And um, I really do think that – I don't think they'll ha- he'll have a bell cow share, but I think he'll put up close to bell cow-like numbers because of the – the efficiency he's going to have with his touches, mm. you know? So I don't see him finishing as an RB one, but I finish see him finishing just outside that as a high RB two. Um, Dave, have you changed your, has your heart changed for Chase Edmonds? I still love Chase Edmonds. I mean, obviously the way that the, uh, the contracts are going with for Kenyon Drake with them doing the transition, I think it was the transition tag, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, and the way they used him in the sec once they acquired him, um, they base they really like Kenyon Drake. He's my RB nineteen overall right now. I think he's going like RB seventeen right now according to April DLF ADP. Yeah, and I think he's and what's what's good about Kenyon Drake is I think that they are there's only three running backs on that roster right now, so I think they're still going to add maybe a late round running back to that team. But I think he's safe from a big RB prospect um, cutting into his workload because they have Chase Edmonds. Um, and I think he's going to get the first crack regardless, just based on how he did last year. And, but I'm still holding off on him. Um, just because, you know, at that point, if you look at where, like in a dynasty, I just did a recent dynasty startup mock and just the way the wide receivers and the running backs, um, fall, I think I want to target wide receiver right around there. So 
I just I, I think Drake's gonna be a great player, especially for redraft. Um, I just think people for, might also forget that Drake's he's a little older than people think. He's already gonna be 26, um, and you know people start getting finicky with running backs around age 27, 28. So that um, finicky is right around the corner for uh, his dynasty value. Yeah, but I also think when you're talking about a guy getting finicky around 26, it means he's had he's had more usage than Drake's had. Like you, like Drake hasn't seen that kind of load that makes me nervous. But also, like what you're saying, you're looking around um, for wide receivers in that round. What round are you looking at? You're thinking like five, six, seven. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's so. I really like to invest early with running backs. I think we've talked about that at multiple times. That we like to invest with running backs, and then that's a great time to start picking off those wide receiver twos that have the wide receiver one upside type things. Um, so that's just what I'm kind of thinking right there. Okay, so this is actually interesting because this gets into a significant difference in Dave and I's draft strategy, okay? I don't believe in needing to invest in anything early. I believe in your first two to three picks is all about best available player, all right? And then when you start looking at guys like in the fifth, sixth round, a Kenyon Drake as your RB2 is solid. That That's the way that I look at it because if you're making it up by having two to three like wide ones essentially you know that's where i'm kind of looking at that first but i i don't disagree with your strategy there dave it's just something that i typically don't do at times it's also the same i'm not saying i i'm against picking backs you know i just don't subscribe to that kind of a strategy because i kind of look at what's available for you know maxing out for those numbers but the other thing too is that um Oh, God, I had such a good point. I just lost it. Um, <laughs> sure, Todd, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, but I like. I just really like the idea of having Drake. So the other thing, too, is I've been doing, like, a ton of mocks with um, the um, the Dynasty Football Digest, and I just keep getting Drake in, like, the sixth, seventh round is, like, is um, my third running back. And I'm just like, that's if, – if Kenyon Drake's my third running back, I'm freaking ecstatic, you know? And um, I just really like what this the potential in this offense and that too, Kennedy. Like, what do you think about Drake? Like, are you thinking about him as like an RB two, like an RB three? Like, like what? Like, what are your feelings on if you had Drake on your team? Yeah, if he was my RB two, I'd be very happy with that. Um, like you, I definitely lean more towards just the best available. You know, I'd rather grab a better wide receiver than reach for a running back. Um, but that definitely invites kind of crawling across the razor's edge. Right. Because your margin of error is so low. You know, that's how you end up in round nine and realize you have one running back. Uh, but if he was my two, I'd love it. If he was my three, you know, and I was sitting there with like Nick Chubb and Mark Ingram and then Kenyon Drake, that still looks pretty good too. Um, and, you know, if you have a couple good receivers in there that you picked up in rounds like two, four, and five, that'd be pretty excellent. So, Todd, you said that he's been going around 5-6. He went 4-11 in my most recent draft I did. So Yeah, that's like 5-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and I also think like 4-11 is somebody who's high on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and I, I don't think that's that's your guy. That's that's fine. You know, like, that's not a huge overspend. You know what I mean? Like, when you're talking about, like, if, if, it, if it's your guy and you go around early, that's totally fine in my mind. You know? Um, those are the kind of moves that, you know, if you, if you hit on your guy, you're going to win. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, but my point I was going to make to Dave was like, I was like saying like, oh, like why always go RBs? Like if I'm coming around and Kenyon drinks my RB one, I'm like, I did something wrong. So (laughs) I just want to make sure that's perfectly clear. But, uh, yeah. So the funniest thing about the way we started this off is, is that we started talking about Kenyon Drake as, um, 
big news for the Cardinals, which I found kind of funny because uh, the big news for the Cardinals, obviously, in the offseason is Nuke Hopkins um, getting traded for... So, ironically, Dave's talking about guys falling off. He's getting traded for a guy that you should be worried about falling off in David Johnson. Um, and, falling uh, off or fell off? Uh, I don't think he's completely off yet. I think he kind of got like, you know, he has a chance to have some reemergence. I actually like him as a buy low as like an RB3 situation. But like, eh, outside of that, I don't know how I feel about it, you know? Regardless of the falling, which pass, which tents we're using for falling time, what a big league transition from Drake to the rest of the, the Cardinals. Well done, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Nuke Hopkins, you know, and we, so we got a pretty interesting uh, passing core. Obviously, you got Kyler Murray there, Nuke Hopkins, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, and definitely the wide receiver three is going to be uh, Christian Kirk. You know, definitely third in that pecking order these days. Um, Dave, are you like fuming over there yet? My uh, soul just left my body when you said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, trying to regain my composure. Um, I'm gonna dive right into this, Todd, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, I would not expect anything less. Okay, I think first off, this is a major upgrade for Kyler Murray Hopkins, an elite talent. He is a alpha, he will, he will um, help that offense all the way around. It's gonna sustain drives, more first downs, more resident opportunities for everyone. So that's an awesome for the Arizona Cardinals. Awesome, especially for Kyler Murray. Uh, unfortunately, and I think, Todd, you might disagree with this. I'm not sure about Kennedy, but I, I unfortunately think it's a downgrade for Hopkins' uh, dynasty value. I had him at towards the top of that second tier, maybe even like the end of the first tier of, of the wide receiver, the first tier of wide receivers in dynasty. Now he's the end of my second tier wide receivers. He's changing teams. He no longer has Deshaun Watson, who I think is a better passer than Kyler Murray. He's, I think there's more competition for targets. And we always historically have seen a dip in production when changing teams, unless you're Amari Cooper leaving from the inept Oakland Raiders. So I'm a little worried about Hopkins. What about you guys? Um, for me, I'm 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 not. I, I think Hopkins is pretty much exactly where he was from my mind. I think there's certain talents, and this goes back to me talking about Julio Jones not falling off the cliff for age, right? Their elite talents stay elite. Right? Like Odell Beckham. <laughs> um well Odell Beckham's a little bit different because that I feel like team, Dave had that teed right. up from the moment he started talking. That's, he was just waiting. Alright. So have we ever seen a dumpster fire that we were more wrong about than the Cleveland Browns? Will we also not call that maybe the exception to the rule? And also Odell Beckham actually Odell Beckham actually had a ton of like slide before that going through like injuries and stuff so it's not exactly the same Hopkins was elite last year so you're also having it arguably you're looking at an offensive more upside with a more creative play caller so I could actually say you can make an argument that he's actually going to a better spot from an offensive scheme standpoint historically Todd every, Amari, Amari Cooper is the outliner of wide receiver ones changing teams yes to, to, uh, Hopkins is a rare usually top players like that don't move but historically I'm not saying he's going to become a wide receiver three or anything. I'm just saying he's not, he's not, he's not a, um, he's not like a guy who's going to just score out above and beyond the rest of the wide receivers in the league that week. That's all I'm saying. I, I would say that when I saw that move, the, I got actually pretty excited because I think what this does for Hopkins is I now targets the share. Yep. I can see it go down, but I actually get a little more excited about him with touchdowns. 
And I, I, I like him as the red zone option for that out of those three a lot, you know? Definitely um, helped that offense. that kicked a lot of field goals in red zone last year. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that like, also like you got Murray coming in year two. I mean, I would say that there's, you know, quite a few coaches with a better offensive scheme than Bill O'Brien, you know? So to me, I like the move. Do I think it's like a huge bump because of like, actually the, the reasons why you're down on him, Dave, is the reason why I keep it the same. Because I see the high potential there in making that move to that offense, but it's still new, you know? But at the same time, like York and Hopkins is possibly one of the 10 best wide receivers in the history of football when it's all said and done, you know? So this is an elite talent going to an elite offense. And I honestly think that he's going to do just fine. I think he's still going to be a top five, if not a top three wide receiver, you know? And I also don't worry about him with age by any means either, you know? So Kennedy, Hopkins. Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go to Todd's side on that one, although you know I love to be seen agreeing with you, Dave. Um, you know, you yes, keep the facts back mentioning... me up. That's all you guys, you guys knew your feelings all you want. Facts back me up. You keep you keep mentioning Cooper, and yeah, he left the he left the Inepirators and he went to the Cowboys, and I think that's a lot of what Hawkins is doing. You know, you're not seeing OBJ being dumped to the Browns. You're not seeing somebody leaving to go get paid by a team that's in the beginning stages of a rebuild, so their opportunity is going to fall off. You know, yeah, Hawkins is in a new system. He's got to develop rapport with a new quarterback who's only been in the league for two years, but he's also going to have a better offensive scheme, a better offensive line protecting that quarterback. And he's going to have the advantage of playing with competent wide receivers around him versus just whatever Luis Mendoza they can find to throw out there that the Texans are having sprint down the field to try and draw coverage away from him. So I think, you know, there is, there is the new and new is always a reason to show reticence, but I think the opportunity is there and the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. Right. And the other thing, too, is when you get into this new situation, you get, you get like, you know, energized and stuff like that. I I don't know. I, I really like the idea of Hopkins in a very dangerous offense, you know. Um, what about Christian Kirk? How are you feeling about Christian Kirk these days? David? Uh, so this, so I've been <laughs> trying to tell myself a story where this does not affect Christian Kirk. He's still the wide receiver one overall in Dynasty. Um, unfortunately, that is not the case. I think, I mean, if I'm going to be realistic here and be honest, how I've been feeling um, late at night with the, with the lights out and just staring into the, at the ceiling. Easy um, guy. Kirk, yeah, Kirk ceiling has been hurt significantly. He, there was a, in my opinion, there was a reasonable range of outcomes where Kirk was a low end wide receiver one in that high volume. Uh, Arizona offense. Um, now with Hopkins coming in, he is no longer ha- he no longer has that wide receiver one upside. I still think he's a reasonable range of outcomes as a mid wide receiver two because there's a lot of volume in that offense. Even if Hopkins comes in and takes 200 targets this year, which I don't think he's going to do, there's still going to be at least three to 400 targets available in that offense for Christian Kirk to um, to get. So. And I don't even like I don't even like looking at targets that way, but I think Kirk is a good enough player where he's going to earn a significant amount of targets. Um, so, just the ceiling hurts. What about you guys, Kenny? You go ahead. So, I mean, I still love Kirk, and he's a great talent. Sure hands, great route running. You know, you can't beat that. But I think what's going to end up eventually hurting him, in my mind, is that kind of like last year, he becomes too boom bust. You know, he has these games where he puts up 180 yards and three touchdowns, and then you don't hear from him for three weeks. 
And despite the talent, despite the volume in that offense, he'll just kind of become an unreliable starter. And he'll kind of fade into just a flex option. Yep. That's my worst case for him. I think best case, you know, he's able to carve out enough targets like Dave said because there will be a ton to go around where he can be a reliable wide receiver too. But I think his consistency is very questionable, at least at this point. You know, into the season, after we have a couple weeks' results to analyze, it might be different. Well, that's the thing is that, like, one of the questions you have, does this bump in the offense make things relevant for Fitz and fantasy, so Larry Fitzgerald? And Larry Fitzgerald's relevant until he retires, as far as I'm concerned, all right? Um, What this does for Christian Kirk is I agree with Sean for 2020, right? When I look at Christian Kirk, I look at if you're in a startup, by no means draft this man. Let somebody else overpay for him and then let him not produce like we expected him to do in 2020. I'm going to thoroughly enjoy watching Dave cry over it. <laughs> and then around midseason, when he's having those inconsistencies, remember that Larry Fitzgerald's going to retire sooner than later. And you are going to swoop in and buy him low and then sit until he gets that Y2 opportunity and then two offenses with two wide receivers for producing a fantasy is not uncommon. So, so let's, a- let's ask you a question, Todd. You guys just got done telling me how great this move was for Hopkins, how more explosive this offense is, blah, 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 blah. This offense is awesome. But now there's not sudden not enough room for Christian Kirk to get, who's a PPR, who is can be a volume PPR machine. There's not enough room for him to be a no. wide receiver, mid-wide receiver too? No, well, yeah, but not from a consistency standpoint. For me, like, if I'm looking for a wide receiver, too, in that situation, I'm looking for somebody that I can rely on week in, week out for what his production is going to be. But Larry Fitzgerald there, Larry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest of all time, and he's still going to command touches. So once Larry Fitzgerald walks away from, from, like, his position, Christian Kirk's going to eat, man. So Christian Kirk outperformed Larry Fitz last year in target, had more um, on a target per game per, or basis. Uh, Fitz was a low-end wide receiver last, three last season. That was after Kirk went out, too. He, he saw a boom. Um, Kirk beat Fitz last year. I think another year. Nobody said that he didn't. I'm saying I'm, I'm saying it's just another mouth to feed. So Hopkins is going to eat the most, and then Kirk and Fitz are going to get the scraps. And Drake's going to get touches, too. And so is Chase Edmonds. Plenty in that high-volume <laughs> offense. There's a lot to go around. Sure. I agree. And I'm just... taking that with that offense, I'll take the two the number two option. And I'm saying I see Christian Kirk is just like Sean said, having those up and down weeks because of that, because of all the mouths to feed. And I'm saying once that, once one of the greatest wide receivers of all time hangs it up, and now those are targets that are just gonna be opened up. I think Christian Kirk takes most of them. All right, so that was a good that was a good conversation on the Cardinals. We got to move. So for the a few of these teams, we decided to break up as in like somebody's gonna take the lead and we're gonna make them kind of quicker. So for the first one, we had Sean had the Rams. So Sean, get some thoughts on the Rams, buddy. Yeah, so we'll kick it off with their uh, spicy new logo, which is just terrible. We caliente. Oh my god, they dropped that picture with the hat, which the LA and the, the curve, the horn is coming off the A. I actually had to check it twice because I thought the Chargers changed their logo again. Is it the St. Louis Arch in there too? Is it a, is a throwback to their old city? Who knows? Yeah, yeah right? It's yeah, just it's very it, interesting. It's too messy. It's graphically a mess. The uh, the actual ram itself that's going to be on the jerseys, that doesn't look too bad, but it's also not like really accentuating the horn, which just makes a messy transition to the hat. This thing is just a mess, which is a nice parable for their whole team. You know, they fell off the map in 2019. They were just the epitome of a Super Bowl hangover. 
Yeah, right. They went from being the second best offense in 2018 to the 18th, and they had a 20% increase in their offensive volume. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, just seeing that kind of fall off is crazy. They, I think this, I think the Todd Gurley knee situation really messed with them. I think they also tried to get cute with it and think that they were playing mind games with people, you know, a la Bill Belichick, and just they couldn't. It didn't work. Their offensive line plummeted. Jared Goff took a huge step back. Nothing really seemed to work. Uh, what is interesting, though, is that from a wide receiver standpoint, Cup and Woods were both awesome. You know, Cup was the wide receiver four. Robert Woods was, I think, 17th. You know, Where are those TDs, Sean? Where are his TDs? Give me more Woods TDs. Come on. Oh, they're coming. They're coming, David. Don't you? They are. Don't you fret. Yeah. But they both commanded over 130 targets last year. Yep. Woods had over 130 the year before when Cup was out. But now you lost Gurley. You lost Cooks. And... Two years ago, when their offense was real hot and it carried into the Super Bowl, Cooks and Gurley accounted for 35% of that offense. Yep. And that being redistributed now, you know, they have no room to bring in anybody else. They're going to have to turn to the draft. They've got no first-round pick. The Cooks trade gave them an extra pick in the second. They've got two picks in the third. You know, one of those is probably going to a wide receiver. But short of that, they don't really have a lot of wiggle room to do anything else. They should all go to linemen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Should draft five new offensive linemen. Yeah, just draft linemen. (laughs) You need help there. Sean, what do you think about the running backs? There's a ton of opportunity there for Cooks and Woods to soak up some more targets. I don't know how much you know how much higher that number can really get for them. Already starting at 130, but I think if you see them creep up to like 140, 142. Kind of in that top five range, that wouldn't be the craziest thing because as of now, there's nobody on the depth chart behind. You know, you have Josh Reynolds, you got the Wake Forest Wonder Kid and Greg Dortch. So I whoever like they Dorch. draft in, I like Dortch as a deep, deep flyer. Yeah, so, I did too coming into last year. Um, yeah, you know Tyler Higby ate up some targets last year. He could carve some more out, but yep. they really got away from passing to the running back in the absence of Gurley. Last year, they chose not to utilize Henderson. Malcolm Brown was kind of in and out, but he didn't really catch a lot of passes. Can I jump in here real quick? Yeah. I I think that the guy that I really like in this situation coming out is Josh Reynolds. I think that Josh Reynolds, every time that an injury's come up, he's really been a productive fantasy player. If you stream Josh Reynolds because of an injury, he he produced, right? Mm. And I'm, like, very upset that I traded him for pretty much nothing now, now that Cooks is gone. (laughs) Um, But I actually think that that's a guy that, can step up and I don't if I'm the Rams I'm not drafting a wide receiver because I can't get the ball out you know what I mean like long enough to be productive like the line's the bigger issue but um before we get past the Rams I think we got to talk about Henderson and, and Brown right Sean yeah absolutely I mean Henderson was a huge target last year going into rookie drafts um you know he was projected pre-draft everything I saw was like top five once he landed on the Rams, people got a little scared because Gurley had that massive contract, and kind of rightfully so. But he still was going back into the first round. You know, he still was going 101 in draft, Sean. 101 in certain drafts he was going. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Even still, last year. Getting. Yeah, last year he was 101 in rookie drafts. In wow. some rookie All right, drafts. well, there's there's that's amazing. Um, that that's, that's insane, but yes, it was happening. <laughs> so, you know, definitely a player, but definitely expensive. Malcolm Brown was the primary backup, um, 
both you know two years ago when Gurley originally got hurt. Last year they went to Malcolm Brown first, and nobody's talking about him. I think he's a great person to try and sweep in by low. And even if he's not the primary back, that's probably going to be more of a timeshare next year. You know, they put him on, they signed his tender two years ago. They decided to keep him around. They made that investment in him. They trust him. Yeah. It's odd for him not to get any work at this point. I think they complement each other really well, too. You know, like like Malcolm Brown's like more of an in-between-the-tackles. He'll grind it out. I mean, he's a good back. Like, he's, he's, he's a good all-around back. Uh, and then Henderson's more of your, your game breaker, your your guy on the outside mm. that's going to like break one. So I feel like they're going to share it really well. I tried to trade for Malcolm Brown this week. I, I offered two-thirds to to our friend Hannon, and he rightfully rejected it. I just want to make sure he knew what he had. So uh, and apparently he did. So, um, but I, if I was going to invest right now, like like I just said, I just kicked the tires on Brown. I mean, I have a team that like there's just certain things I don't want to give up and like to for Malcolm Brown, but I, I would give up a late second for Malcolm Brown easily right now because I just really like his opportunity. So. So, Todd, I, I'm, I'm loving this. We're a little bit more disagreement. When Sean wasn't around, I thought we were a little bit too buddy-buddy here. <laughs> a little too buddy-buddy for some rivals, but I'm going to well, disagree. I'm so, you guys apart. Uh, I know. So, well, you can just let us, you know, there's three of us now. We can all just be one happy family now. We can let our true feelings come out. But anyway, um, I'll disagree. I think, I. so I, when, as soon as I saw Cooks went down, I traded away um, Josh Reynolds because when Cooks wasn't, Around last year, we saw a big uptick in 12 personnel for the Rams. They're using two tight ends more. Yep, and so that's for true. Me, and so for me, I actually want to acquire Gerald Everett right now because people are really high on Higby. And I'm going to say, no, 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 sir. I think this is a Gerald Everett situation because, one, Gerald Everett was Sean McVay's first draft pick when he was a coach. So I think there's some loyalty there. Sean, or Sean McVay was just talking about how much he loved um, Gerald Everett and how much more he needs to get him involved. And then when they both were playing, they're both healthy – um, Gerald Everett was the number one option. Tyler Higby wasn't relevant until Gerald Everett's injury, and then he exploded. So I think Gerald Everett is the true buy, who's the cheaper player to acquire. And I, you know, I like some Gerald Everett. I, I don't like him. I like him. For the record, I do not think Gerald Everett's cheaper than Josh Reynolds. I guarantee. No, I know. And no, then Tyler Higby. He's cheaper than Tyler Higby. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm also saying Josh Reynolds incredibly cheaper than Gerald Evans. Yeah. Everett. Josh Reynolds should be free. Yeah. It's what, <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like I, I can like Josh Reynolds for pretty much nothing. I, I was happy. I just I just traded Josh Reynolds away as soon as I couldn't get. No one wanted him, and as soon as that news went down, I got him for the 309. I traded yeah. him away for the 309. I was happy with that. I'm pretty sure when I traded Josh Reynolds, I was trying to move up like a draft pick, and I like really played a narrative really well to make it work. I don't remember who I'm trading to. I make a lot of trades. But, um, yeah. All right, fair enough. So uh, let's move on to the next one, guys. Kennedy, well done. Thank you, sir. We got Dave, who's supposed to be quick with Seattle. Let's be quick, Dave. All right, Todd, I'm quick in the bed sheets and quick on this podcast, so here we go now. Um, hey, now. Yeah, exactly. So when I think of Seattle, when we, and you guys said that I should uh, tackle their uh, their offense going into this, the first thing that came to mind was play calling an offensive line. Another year, another podcast to lament about how Seattle will not throw the ball. Throw the bleeping ball. You have Russell Wilson. Please use Russell Wilson. Um, I love Chris Carson, but please use Russell Wilson more, Pete Carroll. Don't overthink it. Um, the entire, and then I also have to question the entire organization when Tom Cable is your offensive line coach, any organization that Tom Cable has been an offensive line coach for their offensive line has been terrible. Guess what? Sales offensive line last year was terrible. They, uh, Russell Wilson faced 42% 
our, our pressure, 42% of his dropbacks. That's um, the first QB to have over 40% since 2012, according to PFF. That is astronomical. They need to invest in that offensive line to protect Russell Wilson. And it's even really worse, if you guys will probably agree with me here. Russell Wilson hides a lot of that offensive line deficiency by being able to roll in the pocket, um, yep. make make people miss. Uh, Russell Wilson um, covers a lot of deficiencies in that offensive overall. So, uh, come on, Seattle. You're killing me here. But that being said, um, Chris Carson is a major, major target for me this offseason. Um, I think we talked about he was a major target for us last season off too, Todd. Yes, but he was. The draft capital snobs strike again. People are way down on Chris Carson. I think he's like the RB, what is he, the RB24 uh, and DLF ADP. Um, he's my RB17. He has everything we like in a running back. He gets volume. He evades tackles. He has breakaway runs. Um, despite his low draft capital, he fought off a first-round running back in Rashad Penny. And I think, yeah, Seattle needs to draft a running back because Penny's supposed, most likely going to start the season on the PUP. But I think Penny, I mean, I think uh, Carson can hold off any non-big um, for a rookie running back. Love some Carson. Penny, uh, I can't really target rate him right now with that injury. And who knows what they're going to draft. So, unfortunately. He's not really be, worth much at this point. I wouldn't not, invest in him. I mean, maybe shake, maybe try to just stick your, like, hey, what do you think about Penny right here? But what? why would anyone trade him when his value is so low? Um Dorsett's just a value guy. You look at his contract. It's just depth for that wide receiver. Um, but I think Seattle has the draft capital. And um, the, to uh, solidify that wide, the wide receivers behind Lockett and Metcalf. So I could see them um, acquiring in the, some wide receivers in a wide receiver deep draft. And also running back. Because I think it's basically Chris Carson and Travis Homer, who's a decent um, target. But they're going to need somebody until Penny comes back for his injury, guys. So that's basically Seattle for me. Yeah, they acquired Greg Olson. Helps the offense as a whole. But I don't think Greg Olson's really a target right now for Dynasty. Dave, I'm impressed. I, I really enjoyed that. And it was quick. This is great. Whew. Wow. Whew. I am prepared to guys. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Next up for efficiency. Uh, your boy. All right. I got... I got the San Francisco 49ers. So the first big news out of the San Fran is Emmanuel Sanders is gone. So that leaves a big question about the wide receiver piece. First thing we think about, Debo Samuels. All right? So what's that mean? You got a wide receiver one ceiling and a wide receiver two floor. Clearly, he's a go-to. There's no questions about it. He's a guy that you're going to see a lot of draft capital spent for in startups, and it's rightfully so. So... The natural question is, are they going to draft high on a wide on a wide receiver? And it's it's a definite possibility, which I would say most likely in my in my eyes. So wide receiver is not their number one priority. I would say their number one priority is probably corner or the interior line. That interior line is part of the reason they lost the Super Bowl. But they don't really need to address that at 13 because there's not really a lot of corners outside of uh, Odoku uh, who should be even remotely considered that pick and then you're looking at caesar ruiz at like 31 so i like henderson out of florida todd people like him a lot i'm not looking at him at 13 you know what i mean i think you could slide back i mean they could trade if they want to go that route they could trade that pick back i say at 13 jerry judy could be sitting right there and if you put jerry judy with debo samuels on an offense with shanahan why wouldn't you do that you know um so yeah but the big thing about it is to think about when the when the 49ers are picking is they got two firsts, and they don't have another pick till the fifth. So there's also a really good chance that they trade that 13th pick to stockpile. 
And then we're looking at them possibly picking a different guy at 31. So at the 13th pick, if they keep it, I could definitely see a wide receiver. I'm just not banking on it. All right. Um, for backfield power rankings, uh, not big on trading here. There's some solid value here in the late rounds for wide, for running back depth or if you go wide, uh, wide receiver heavy. Um, the guy that I would buy low on right now is uh, is Coleman. You know, I think it's interesting what Coleman is. I think you're looking at um, a low floor for him, and it's like he's it's like literally he's back backing a Freeman in Atlanta. You know, like that's what it looks like his floor would be. Is there any guys that you guys like in the 49ers backfield right now, Dave? Anyone you like? Um, the 49ers so backfield? I'm just gonna say Brita. I don't know who the heck and what Roto World is following for beat writers that said the Brita's roster spot is in jeopardy. Give me a break. He's a cheap option yep. in that backfield. They don't have a lot of draft picks, like Todd said. Get the Brita hate out of here on this podcast. No, thank you. Yep. Not on this podcast, Todd. I actually, you know what? I'm really glad he wasn't in my notes. I actually do really like Brita as, as a buy low, too. I think the reason I really like Coleman as a buy low is that I think I could see him leading that, that backfield, but he's going to command time. He's too good of a player. And it literally looks like he's going back to the role behind Devontae Freeman. Most uh, gets the first crack, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. He, he earned it at the end of last year. But the thing about it is he's, he's getting sold as if he's that guy over the other two, which is not solidified. So late in drafts, if you're picking one of those three guys as a running back three, I think you're doing okay, you know? Because all three of them are going to find volume. You know, it's going to find time on the field. But, you know, none of them are short bets as an RB2. Um, and then a lot of, another thing about them too, is a lot of people are starting to throw a lot of hate at Garoppolo after the Super Bowl. And I think everyone needs to kind of take a deep breath in Jimmy Garoppolo after year one. It's his first full season as a starter. All right. And he was finishing as a low QB one or a high QB two in most weeks. All right. And he's still attached to a very, to one of the best offensive coaches in the game. In my eyes, he's a very good buy low guy for a super flex in my eyes. So do I see him as a QB one? No, but I see him as a very good QB two option. So if you're in a redraft league and you want to sit back and wait for him at the end of your draft, you can win a league with Jimmy Garoppolo in a one QB league as your starting quarterback. Thoughts? Sean, I'll let you go first because I'll let you go first here. Yeah. I mean, just to loop back to the running backs too. I'm, I'm down with dismissing the Brita hate. I think they've shown a huge commitment to him. They always try and get it back to him. He's also just a monster. Short of like his leg being amputated, he always seems to find a way to fight his way through injuries. If and we, if it like if that's what we were to build a character on Madden, we're like, oh yeah, I want the heart of Matt Burita. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, so I think you know he would be my my buy low just because Moser does get the first crack, but if he doesn't work out or if he goes down, I think they're turning the keys right over to him. And I think, I mean, you guys know I'm all about cheap value. I think I'd be maybe looking with like a last roster spot because I can't imagine anyone even has him to maybe try and roster Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon's an old scratch. I like to scratch. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's far away the best pass catcher out of that backfield, right? He's finally healthy, and they could have cut him, and they just decided to renegotiate to bring him back. The funniest thing, I'm like waiting on the edge of my seat. Did you say McKinnon or Jeffrey Wilson? Um <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think I think if we're gonna take if we're gonna chase the cheapest of cheap value, that's where I'd like to look. But I think, yeah, in practicality, yeah, you know, Matt Breida is the best cheap option you can get out of that backfield. 
But yeah, the, well, the cheapest option that can actually play. You know what I mean? That you actually see the light at the end of the tunnel that will actually get on the field. <laughs> Everybody know? wants a Cinderella story, yeah. Todd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Todd, I agree too on Jimmy G. I think he's exact. I think you put it. He's fine in Suplex, just fine. Yeah, fine. absolutely. Um, uh, Sharon's, uh, Sharon's. I mean, Shanahan's apparent lack of faith in him in the Super Bowl and the playoffs at times that was a little unsettling. And I just yeah. think maybe that top half could be one upside that that people were talking about at one point. I just don't see it anymore. But he's still a great. He's still a good target Superflex. Just fine. Yeah. yeah. And my and if you're in a one QB league and you're doing a redraft, like I and you're like, first of all, do not spend capital on a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, you could have him on your team if the rest of your team is freaking nasty because you didn't spend on a quarterback and he could win you a league. No Todd, problem. you got Russell Wilson in like the thirteenth round last year. Like I did. Like, I mean, it's insane what the value is there in one QB leagues. All right. Hey, hold on. Before we go into anything else, I just want to share with everybody that one year Dave went back-to-back rounds with quarterbacks just so I couldn't get Carson Wentz, and I felt like I already won the league when that happened. That was, like, the greatest thing I've ever seen. Todd, got great to, Todd you know, right you there. guys don't know what it's like. You guys hear it on the podcast, but this is just for two hours every couple of weeks. All right? <laughs> it's all the time, and I can't handle it anymore. Oh, so yeah, God. I drafted Breeze and another quarterback back to back, so Todd couldn't have him. Okay. I, I was so excited. I got up and told my wife. It was great. It was great, and she was like, uh, "Great." All right, Sean. Bears. You got you got a little bit of a longer window here, Sean. Let's go, buddy. Yeah. Well, the Bears are interesting. Um, they were a huge disappointment in 2019. You know, I was definitely one of the people who was buying in on. They drafted David Montgomery. Anthony Miller's looking pretty good. Allen Robinson is there, and he's eternally great. I think there's also no sadder player in the NFL than Allen Robinson. I mean, he finally escaped from the Bortles nightmare only to land with Mitchie the Kid. What did he do in a past lifetime to deserve that? (laughs) Yeah, right? I love it. Like, he must have just been (laughs) terrible. Like, maybe he was one of the kids from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Or was in a similar type (laughs) scenario where, like, maybe he didn't do anything too terrible. Like, he was uh, just in the backseat, but so still wasn't funny. great. He's only 26 years old, too. It feels like he's been there for our entire life. Oh, forever. Like, he's, yeah. He feels like he should be older than I am. It's amazing. It's crazy, man. It's so crazy. I, I love Robinson. I, I, I look at him as, like, a guy who's, like, the perfect Y2 on your team. Yeah. So, despite that entire offense falling off last year, he still was able to salvage being the wide receiver 12 on the back of 154 targets. I mean, that's just awesome. Not but, just targets, Trubisky targets. Yeah, yeah, Trubisky. I think the best <laughs> thing I've seen out of this social distancing was somebody post the other day that if you need to know how far away to stand from somebody, oh, I saw that. look where Mitchell Trubisky would throw a ball in relation to a receiver, and it's 10 feet closer than that. That's how far away you need to be. <laughs> I love that. It was so, really funny. They're trying to dig themselves out of their eternal mistake of taking – Trubisky over Mahomes and over Watson. They went out, they traded for Big Dick Nick, and they brought him in. They're pairing him with John DiFilippo. Now, I am not the biggest Foles person, but I still somehow think he's an improvement. You know, if he's going to get back to that playoff magic, he's got enough similar people around him to do it. He went with a passer rating of 115.7 in those 2017 playoffs. So I think at the very least, you know, he himself, Foles, might not be relevant. But I think this is a good boost for Robinson. I think it's a good boost for Miller. I was really high on Miller last year. Um, you know, he was coming in. He had the six touchdowns or seven touchdowns his rookie season. 
looked like he was going to be awesome and he could barely get on the field for the first 10 weeks. And then he starts lighting it up and gets hurt. But I think he could take a real step forward, at least with somebody who's going to be able to be accurate. You know, he might not make spectacular plays, but Foles can at least put the ball where it needs to be. Sean, Um, it it doesn't take very often, Sean, where I need to add a a category to a spreadsheet. And Nick Foles, I have to add two categories to his because of Big Dick Nick. I have to add a a category for for length. And then I also have to add a category... (laughs) Also, too, because his leadership. He's a leader. I think oh, it's going to help girl. that offense. How many so, G&Ts are you in right now, buddy? It, it's gin and juice right now, guys. I'm bringing the, I'm bringing the, bringing the heat. Lay um, back. <laughs> outside of those two receivers, um, they you know their offensive line was still pretty good last year despite the struggles. They definitely weren't great with pass protection, but they um, – you know, they were working with a quarterback who couldn't get the ball away to save his life and was definitely seeing ghosts out there. So they'll probably take some opportunities to improve that. But I think David Montgomery should still be pretty good. Yep. Tariq Cohen um, should be good, although I saw some chatter today about maybe them trying to move him, which could be really? interesting. I didn't really oh, get wow. into it all to see four. Just, just put him somewhere where he'll be loved, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of Todd's right. guys. Actually, one of yeah. our original guys, but just, Todd's just, more just, so. Yeah, just put him and Joystick for somewhere who'll be appreciated for his video game-like antics. Yeah, they brought um, in Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham hasn't been relevant for a while, so who cares? Yeah. Trey Burton's WTF out. on that. Who cares about him? Uh, hey, but I think, I'm you thrilled know, Jimmy Graham out on the Bears because I actually don't have to cut him now. So, yeah. <laughs> but so. I think, you know, yeah. Banner view, great news for Robinson. Yep. Great news for Miller. I think his stock took a little bit of a bounce back in my book, which yep. I was glad to see. I, I love Anthony Miller. That's not like, you know, that's not to be, if you've followed the show, you've known I love Anthony Miller and he was a beast towards the end of the year. So I think going into this year with a quarterback upgrade, they get another year of that offense getting solidified. Um, I, I love Anthony Miller this year. I, I, you know, you go out and get him as your wide receiver five or four. You're looking at a guy who I have as a ceiling as a wide receiver too. That stretch from weeks 11 through 15 was fantastic. And the end of the year when, like, I mean, that offense was just a dumpster fire. So, yeah, I mean, to see any production coming out of it was great. Yeah, two of those games, he went over 140 yards and had a touchdown. It was awesome. All right, boys. Sean, well done. Get comfortable, boys. It's my turn. I'm about to talk about the Packers. All right, everyone ready? All right, let's get on to the Vikings. So, um... <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about Devin Funches. Does anyone still believe in Devin Funches, honestly? Um, I don't think he's a top 24 wide receiver, but I think in a deep, deep wide receiver league, he's Did you say he's, he's not a top 24 wide receiver? Anymore. He mispronounced 60. Anymore. Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, I'm like, okay, are we going to talk about Randy Moss being a receiver for, like, Tom Brady again? And a deep, when we have to, you have to start five wide receivers, I don't think he's bad as a wide receiver eight on your team. He's cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah, I should go look at my team. He wouldn't even make it. Um... Yeah, I maybe red zone, like give up on him as far as I'm concerned. Sean, any thoughts on Devin Funches? No, none. Thank- He's not even right. worth thinking about. That a boy. Uh, Sternbergers. All right, great name. So uh, Jimmy Jimmy Graham's gone. Um, Rogers never really been big on tight ends, so like this is like the big like low flyer guy. Uh, he's a decent young flyer late in a draft at tight end. You know, I really think the big issue with this team is, you know, they lost, uh, you know, some line assistance and the, their line's still going to be fine. There's not really much movement for the Packers. I don't really think there's anything really to 
think about here. You know, you guys have anything about the Packers you want to dive in on? Great landing spot for wide receiver. Um, I also, th- and I don't even mix- know if I would even say it's a great landing spot. Like wide receivers go there. You never know what the hell is going to happen. I mean, okay. Well, they've I never mean, gotten a good wide receiver. Scott, right? I mean, yeah, Since exactly. Adams, so, really all right, that's fair Denzel too. Mims to the Packers. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, amazing. I yeah, I can like that. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I've lost faith in the in the Packers drafting a wide receiver at this point. I mean, granted, they have new like new personnel, so we have maybe, but you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it is a good landing spot for a wide receiver. I won't doubt. And Stern, Sternberger, Todd, you mentioned him quickly. I liked him as a prospect, but he saw like zero, zero work last year. So he seems to me like a little bit more of a project tight end where he, some people saw like some high thir- third round capital in some tight end premium leagues in him. I think he doesn't do much this year. Next offseason, the time to go get Sternberger because it takes tight ends longer to develop. So that's my only thought on Sternberger. Whoever put a high third on Sternberger must have been a giant Bubba Franks fan. Uh, I mean, because uh, Jeff, Jeff did. Jeff took spent a high third on him. He must. He must have a lot of Bubba Franks cards. I'm telling you, man. This is the last time a tight end was relevant there. Um, all right, Vikings. Dave, three minutes. Okay, I'm quick here. Um, so Diggs is gone. I think it was a good value as far as NFL trade wise. Unfortunately, I think this this hurts their offense as a whole. Um, Diggs and Thielen was a was one of the best um, wide receiver teams in the NFL. They replaced Diggs with Tajay Sharp, and somehow either Tajay Sharp, Olabisi Johnson, and oh, what was it, Dylan Mitchell, might be the other options to replace him. So I think they're going to Chad Beebe. Wide... Chad Beebe, yep. Um, <laughs> they, I think they're going to have to go wide receiver at some point in this draft. Um, but Diggs leaving hurts the offensive hole. There's going to be. Um, People are gonna say, "Oh, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna help Thielen overall." But yeah, because there's less competition for targets, but there's gonna be less first downs. There's gonna be less red zone opportunities without a player like Diggs. And then, as if you look, as if I'm a Dalvin Cook owner, um, Dalvin Cook didn't face that many stack boxes last year because you had Thielen and Diggs. I mean, Thielen was hurt a lot last year, but still, the idea of Thielen and Diggs out wide or in the slot, um, that's appealing. So you don't have you don't have as many people in the box when you have Dalvin Cook rushing the ball. Well. I think that's going to change this year. So Dalvin Cook's efficiency might go down, but not a big deal. And it hurts Kirk Cousins, over, Kirk Cousins overall, but his new contract also helped your confidence and we're going to rank him in Superflex rankings. So I think that's a net negative or net zero as far as his ranks in Superflex is concerned. And the most interesting other part of the Vikings to me this offseason is their tight end situation. I know Todd's a big Irv Smith Jr. fan. Um... So people keep, in my opinion, and I think Todd also loves Kyle Rudolph. I think that was a big topic for us I last offseason. I thought you were joking because I'm a huge Kyle Rudolph guy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, people keep um, wanting to, to uh, throw Rudolph to the curb, put him out to pasture. He's still only 31 year, years old come November. So a lot of the season will be 30 years old. His con- People are like, oh, yeah, his contract. They're going to get rid of him soon. Well, if you look at his contract on spot track, He's probably not going to leave until the end of 2021, the way it works with uh, the the dead cap situation. So not a volume tight end, but he's a boom bust right receiver target, a red zone target um, at tight end who's pretty decent at blocking. Um, and he was extremely efficient last year. Um, he, and he saw more um, snaps than Irv Smith Jr. On the flip side, Irv Smith Jr. was barely 21 years old last year, and he had a surprisingly high snap share as a young rookie at 61.7% in that offense. That, and a third of those were coming out of the slot. Um, he saw the same amount of targets as Rudolph on a lesser snap share. Um, wasn't as efficient as Rudolph and didn't see as much red zone work, but not bad for a 22, 
22-year-old tight end um, come the season. So um, now feels like the time to buy in tight end premium leagues for Irv Smith because at that young age, and he's already seen that kind of workload, and with Diggs leaving, I could see more slot work for him. Mm-hmm. Now's the time to invest for Irv Smith. But that's all I got for the Vikings, guys. Yeah, I actually see, in my eyes, for the tight ends, I start to see you see a lot more 12 personnel. Perfect. Uh, yeah, because I, I just think that Irv Smith is more of a receiver, or Kyle Rudolph is. I, I think Kyle Rudolph, once Irv Smith starts seeing the field, will see a hit. But I still think Kyle Rudolph's going to be like a decent, like, if you have to play two wide receivers, like two tight ends, like we're in a two tight end league. If you're out of one tight end league, like, there's no reason to have Kyle Rudolph on your team at this point. You know, I think Irv Smith is going to emerge on that offense. If you're in a two tight end league, I still think Kyle Rudolph holds value. Yeah, you know? those touchdowns matter in two tight end leagues. They because that's where no, a lot do. of that they production totally comes do. from. I mean, it's an absolute crapshoot in that position anyway. So like, you might as well like go to that. Now, if I mean, the thing that kills me about this is Dave's one hundred percent right on the contract because nothing would make me happier than to see Kyle Rudolph traded to the Patriots and he'd be a phenomenal fit. But never gonna happen. <laughs> like you just, it's not worth. It's not worth the price. Todd, but, I'm um, sorry. I didn't hear what you said. I just saw Dave's 100 percent right here, and I was just like, this might be a first time in the show that Todd said that. So I'll take it. Yeah, you're right about the tight end two situation. <laughs> Congratulations. I'll take it. I'm gonna make a shirt out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Todd, like seven thousand podcasts as an invited <laughs> guest, and he's just gonna make a shirt over being of being right over me. Love it. Um, all right, so we're on to the Lions and. When we were making the show sheet, we all really wanted to talk about Carrion Johnson. Uh, but before that, we have to make sure we talk about some big news in their wide receiving core. They re-signed Danny Amendola. I'm so excited. I'm never going to cut him. He's got my heart. And then they re-sign- they signed the beast, Geronimo Allison. Is this guy worth anything? <laughs> yeah, I traded him for whatever I could get last year. I don't even remember what it was, but I'm happy with it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyways, let's get right to it. Carry on Johnson. Sean. Yeah. Um, I loved carry on, but he just, he can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. It seems like even if, you know, he is playing, he's always dinged up. And I think they can't lean on him the way they originally intended to when they drafted him. And I think he's going to be seeing, seeing some serious competition this year. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought somebody in as like a day two selection, maybe. You know, not not gunning for one of these top four guys, but if they were to try and maybe bring in like a Zach Moss and split it up between them, that wouldn't be the craziest thing to me. Right. Um, which sucks. I actually took carry on as my RB2 in the Dynasty League last year and was promptly disappointed at the showing that him and Anthony Miller put on. Yep. I, um, I, I, when I traded carry on Johnson at the beginning, before the beginning of last year, I was selling high on him, but I did not see this coming and I'm so happy I avoided it. Um, I, at this point, he doesn't make my top 25. Like, I just don't trust him, you know, and he hasn't shown any reason to think otherwise. And if he were to become back and be healthy, I, still think it's a timeshare and I don't know what that timeshare looks like. And also I am far from impressed with the D- Detroit Lions team and their offense. So run offense or offense as a whole. I like their offense. Just their run offense has been. Ugh. 
I just haven't really just liked the consistency out of it. I mean, granted, it's like Patricia's new and he's still getting it worked. I just don't know how to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what it looks like long term for me. So, carry on Johnson and redraft, I would avoid unless he's my RB3 and he switched like crazy and he's like a decent flyer at that point. But um, I don't really have a lot of trust in him. What would you um, give up for him in a trade? In a trade? Game sandwich? <laughs> um, I'd give up a late second, you know, um, maybe a mid second, but that's about it. And, you know, like you're looking at it, like at, at the end of his rookie year, you're looking at him being mid first value easy, you know, but yeah, I mean, that also has to deal with like my roster construction Now my team right now. I do like a late second if I had it, you know, um, what about you, Sean? What would you give up for him? I think I'd go mid second. Um, you know, if I was if I was competitive and I was trying to use him to push me over the edge, I'm guessing that I already have a solid RB one. So I I think I'd take the gamble with you know a mid second to uh, see if that would push me over the edge. If you can I stay think, healthy and stay on the field. I think what makes me tentative about saying that is I look at like a mid second and I look at a guy like Mims or um, or even Zach Moss being there. You know, and the thing with Zach Moss is, is like, yeah, he didn't have a great, I mean, the guy produced in college and like he had, he didn't have a great showing at the combine. He hits a decent landing spot. I think I'd rather have Zach Moss and carry on Johnson right now. If he runs at the right team. I, I think you I'd know? rather have Le'Veon Bell. Like Le'Veon Bell's ranked behind him at DD, DLF ADP. I'd rather have Le'Veon Bell. I mean, what's to say that carry on Johnson's even an asset this time next year? Uh, I like, I would love to have carry on Bell right now. But like, but in the startups, <laughs> carry on Johnson. <laughs> Carryon Johnson is going at 26 in DLF April ADP. Um, he's my RB 33 right now. I just I don't I don't get it. I you know yeah. he's back to being Carryon Johnson for me. I got high on him at one point last year. Todd got under my skin, and I just got he's and it's not even like that. I hate or I, I don't hate anybody except for maybe a couple QBs that can't throw the ball um, at a barn. But um, I um, I like his talent. I think he's a good he's a good pass catch running back. But the problem is they don't use him in pass catching situations in Detroit. And I don't trust Patricia to use him as a bell cow. Um, I think he's going to use the hot hand, distribute the carries, and that's the problem with Carrion Johnson. That and he can't stay healthy, which isn't his fault. And so that's the problem with Carrion. I think he's a good player, but he just won't be used right as far as as long as he's in Detroit. Yeah, I can I can totally uh, get into that. So um, we spent a little bit of time in this, but I also think like two guys that we were both that we all want to talk about were uh, Galladay and Marvin Jones. So. Uh, Sean, why don't you start us off with their wide receivers? Yeah, um, you know, Gaudi really exploded last year. He was great, but everybody knew he was going to be great. I feel like the second they took him, the Marvin Jones train just derailed. You know, it's not too long ago that he was a total alpha. Um, I think Jones can still play. When he's healthy, when he's on the field, he's still a major red zone threat. And I think, bang for your buck, he's the lion to take. I mean, I'd have to pull up the ADP right in front of me, Dave. So if he's you, an RB, if you still have it up and you want to check He's wide receiver 63 in DLF's cur- uh, last April ADP. And where's Johnson? Bargain. Where's Johnson? Um, he's got to be Kenny Galladay, at least. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. Where's Galladay? Um, Kenny Also, a.k.a. Babytron. I like I like where you're going with that, uh, Sean. Yeah. I know where you're at. Um, he's wide receiver, DLF ADP, four, wide receiver 14. Wow. So and he well, finishes. Who, who do they have he, at like 16? 
Oh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But like uh, Kenny G finishes, I think he is the wide receiver nine last season. Um, and then their their wide receiver. Can you say it again? What was the question? Oh, I was just. I thought you had the list in front of you. I was no, I'm just going off memory. Who went, actually, who was going right behind? <laughs> so I think at that price, I'd rather have Jones. You know, he still put up nine TDs last year. That was third best. That was awesome. Finished as the 28, and now he slid back to what did you just say? 64. Yeah, 64. So in yeah, 64. So, you know, the, the yardage might not be there, but the production that you're going to get based on that red zone value, I think, makes him the better buy. So, I, Sean, I like the Marvin Jones love because I went into this and I think ta- I tried to get him in our in our, our home dynasty league that we're all in together. I love Marvin Jones. And I dove in for this article and I said, you know, Marvin Jones was a good wide receiver three, except for that one week where he had 40 some odd points against the Vikings and that made him a, a, a high-end wide receiver too. So overall, and he missed a couple weeks, so he ended up finishing as like wide receiver 24, 25 in the season. I like Marvin Jones. He's extremely cheap, and I think he's a, a wide receiver three with with wide receiver two upside weeks. And even with his TD, you know, a couple of TD games, you can have a couple of wide receiver one weeks. Um, but definitely worth targeting. Wide receiver 64, I don't even know what that is. Is that like a early fourth, late third? No, I think people no, are just hung up on his that. injuries. Yeah, yeah, and injuries, his age, he's only like 30, 31, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, is he even 30? He might be 29. I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, and, and wide receivers don't fall off like other positions. I, Todd, I will say this, though. Kenny G is the true alpha in this offense. I'm, people 100%. are like, go, go back and forth. Kenny G dominated with both Stafford and without Stafford. Um, he was extreme. He was a lot more consistent. I don't think since he's a real thing as far as fantasy football is concerned. I think it's pretty random. But um, he was a, definitely – he saw a consistent volume – he was at the red zone, even though Kenny G, or Mar- I can't see, Marvin Jones had a lot of that, a lot of high uh, touchdown weeks. KG had more touchdowns overall. Um, I love his size, but some efficiency. He's my um, wide receiver, thirteenth overall, so a, a, one spot ahead of DLF's ADP. Um, he's just a little bit older than you might think because he came in the league a little bit later. Not that's anything to worry about, but um, I just I think he's a he's he's a he's a great player. I think he's a um, I love I love KG. I like I like his name too. It reminds me of my yeah. mom listening to KG I, albums back in the day. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm a huge Galladay guy. Um, I have my rankings in front of me right now, but I would say that I'm I'm pretty high on him, and uh, I love Marvin Jones for his price. I've always been a big Marvin Jones fan. I think that you're going to be able to get him at a wide receiver four price. I mean, if you're looking at that 61 rank, if you fill out those first three wide receiver spots because most leagues should be playing three wide receivers. If they're not, you're in a joke of a league. Um, yeah, I measure wide receiver four and being able to play him with matchups, whoever you got a three, you're doing really well. And um, Kenny Galladay, he's definitely the alpha. And I love watching Marvin Jones play and he's phenomenal. But if you watch those two guys play football, it's pretty obvious he's a better football player. You know, like Kenny Galladay can literally do pretty much anything on a football field that you want a wide receiver to do. And I honestly think the baby Tron um, uh, nickname is actually pretty fitting because he does actually remind me of his game a little bit of Calvin Johnson, but he's by no means the beast that Calvin Johnson was, you know? So um, yeah, I, I love me some Marvin Jones and I will absolutely, if you're in a startup and you're getting Kenny Galladay as your first wide receiver, if you waited or as your wide receiver too, and you're spending on that capital and wide receivers, you're doing well for yourself. And just to wrap up Detroit too, I in in 
tight end premium leagues or even non-tight end premium leagues, TJ Hawkinson, those people who took him in in the first round of of rookie wide receiver or not wide receiver, rookie drafts last year, just go and see what they want for TJ Hawkinson. It's it's known that people people who draft those those tight ends early, they think they're gonna be awesome. Tight end or was yep. Hawkinson supposed to be the next Gronk? Well, he had that one week against Arizona, who everyone had went off against Arizona. And then nothing. He got injured. So pe- people might be a little down on Hawkinson. People have fan over him now. People have Waller over him now. Uh, let's see what you can get for TJ Hawkinson. He's still a beast. You you really, really, really just killed me on that one because that's like a really sensitive topic for me right now. I'm like really dying to go out and get him. And it's like our least active member of our league has him. Oh, your brother. <laughs> yup. Drives me uh... nuts. Um, all right. Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? So keeping the band together. All right. Everyone's coming back. All right. So Dak was franchised, was offered 33 mil a year, ADP, QB6. Gents, Dak, what's our thoughts? Sean, you take it away, boy. Yeah. Um, you know, I love to see the Cowboys fall flat on their face. And I think the story this week of... Uh, pretty much everybody does if you're not a Cowboys fan, right? Yeah, and I think the story okay. this week of Dak and Zeke having, like, a big dinner party despite all the social distancing guidelines and everything so that are out there. So stupid. This feels like the exact moment that next January, everybody is going to point back and laugh and be like, this is where you guys blew it. Were Frosted Flakes the main item served for Zeke? That's my question. Have you eaten cereal? <laughs> Uh, but just in terms of Dak at QB6, you know, I think I'd like that. I think I'd take that that bet there. Um, just the growth that they've shown and the difference that Amari Cooper made coming in. But not only that, his ability there to kind of open that whole offense up to not have Zeke facing so many stacked boxes to really kind of unlock Michael Gallup has been really, really productive for Dak. And I think... You know, that growth is going to continue this year. Um, so if I ended up with him, you know, QB6, if you're taking him in like the 15th round of a uh, redraft startup, that that's pretty good. I'd like that. I'd take that. I think at the end of the day, no matter what we say about QBs, is like do not draft them unless it's double digits in a, in a redraft league. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. And in terms of – so, all right, I'm going to pose this question. Would you rather have Dak or Kyler Murray in Dynasty? I'd rather have Dak. I mean, Dad, I, I love Dak Prescott too. I just think we know – I mean, Dak's a top 12 wide receiver. I just think Kyler Murray's – he's, he's the, what's, it's what's in the box. What's in the box with Dak? You might you might have a boat already in, in Dak Prescott, but what's in the box? What's in the box? So I'll tell you this right now. One of the things that I always tend to – I mean, granted, my number one quarterback is Lamar Jackson right now. I like the idea of what Dak does as a pocket passer with what Kyler does and what he improvises, the way he goes outside. Like I, I actually worry about Kyler Murray long-term because uh, I don't even know if Kyler Murray knows how to slide because it doesn't look like he really tries. He plays baseball, Todd. He plays yeah. baseball. Uh, <laughs> well played. Well played. Um, okay. I don't know. He knows how to slide. I don't know if he does slide. I apologize. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I think Dak's just got a proven record. Like He's a beast, you know? Um, needs a top five QB in my mind, like easy, you know, and I know what I'm going to get. And if you're looking at a super flex league and you're doing a dynasty, like I'm not looking to like, I mean, I do like upside with my QBs, 
but I also like to know that I'm getting a stud and it's going to be a stud, you know? Every year he's been a top 12 QB since he's entered the league. That's pretty freaking good. So why wouldn't you want that? You know what I mean? I, like, like I'm, you can, like, literally what you're looking for for Murray is to be that, you know? Well, so. the, the idea is that he could be a league winner on Lamar, Jask- Lamar Jackson's um, tier with that rushing upside. That's the, that's the allure with with um, Kyler Murray, whereas Dak gives you that more yeah, I think stability missed, week to week. I think you missed that boat last year because Murray's probably getting more uh, play than Prescott at this point. I think Prescott's more of a value because of the, because of everyone looking for the high for the ceiling. That was my point. But um, yeah, so then the other big thing is Lamar got a big payday. Um, so I actually made an interesting trade in one of my leagues. I traded Henry Ruggs when I was at my lowest with Henry Ruggs. <laughs> that was a hard <laughs> day for you, Tom. You got really low on Ruggs for a while there. Yeah. And then, uh, I traded Adam Thielen because that was before Diggs got traded. And, um, who was the other guy? Steven Sims. And I got back Amari Cooper, which I was absolutely still fine with. You do not like Amari overall, though, as a player. You do not like I I had Amari in that year that we would not speak about. So <laughs> like like that that was a that was a problem year for me, and um, yeah. But Amari attack with Dak and getting that that pay bump like I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So um, where do you guys rank Amari in terms of wide receivers? My wide receiver seven overall DLF. He's in nine in their. Uh, in their single QB wide receiver rankings, and he's 11th in their two QB ranks. I don't know how that works, but I think it's just different drafters. But, yeah, he's my wide receiver seven. I, I really like him. Okay. I have him over Hopkins, Todd. Over Hopkins. Uh, okay, that's ridiculous. Sean? <laughs> I don't have any official rankings or anything like you guys do. I Definitely not over Hopkins. Um, but I, I'd, I'd say I'd say around seven or eight. That sounds good to me. Well, actually, yeah. that's a lie. Sorry. I do not. Nope, that's a lie. Hopkins oh, yeah. is wide Walk receiver six. Walk it back now, Dave. Walk it back He's now. wide receiver six, and Kamari's wide receiver three. Ah, shoot. I, just, I was trying to just stick it to Todd there, and then I realized that I, I didn't have anything to stick to Todd. That's outrageous, Dave. So I have Cooper uh, I have Cooper 10. I have Cooper um, – I have Juju at eight. I have Mike Evans at nine. And I have OBJ at 11 and Galladay at 12. So – those are the guys that I have right around to him. Um, actually, at seven, Dave, I have DJ Moore, just so you know. Um, oh, yeah. DJ. So, um, relax, David. We're not talking about him that much. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, like, I love Amari Cooper. I think, actually, it's funny, too. Like, where I have him 10 is actually kind of low that I've seen on, like, a lot of Dynasty rankings. So, um, I do think that Amari's definitely a guy you can go and invest in. So, now, the big thing about this is we're talking about these two big pieces. Does McCarthy give these guys any sort of a bump? Ugh, I don't. I didn't even really think. I don't. No. I just. I think they're. I'm a big believer in that. Um, talent wins. Coaching just can hurt more than it can help. Yep. Um, he's won a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Gosh, I forgot. I mean, Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, not McCarthy. Yeah, it counts. I think it'll be worth a little bit, just because. Yeah, I mean, not. I wouldn't say strong, uh, but I think it's worth a little bit, just because that offense ideally is going to be less conservative you know Hopefully. jason garrett reminds me of the guy who wants to punt on third down because nobody will see it coming <laughs> which fun fact my high school used to frequently do because the coach was crazy um that's amazing yeah <laughs> we digress um, um so i yeah. just you know i i think i think their their targets they're you know kind of just the offense's overall numbers in production would get a little bit more of a boost because these guys have a proven track record mccarthy 
has worked in high volume successful offenses before. I think he's going to kind of come in and just loosen things up a little bit. I like that answer. Um, I, 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 what, honestly, my answer was I'm not really sure, you know, um, but just the idea of the fact is, yeah, Garrett was super conservative. McCarthy's not as conservative. That can't be a bad thing. Um, it's also kind of like McCarthy, like kind of like fell into like the perfect job. Like, Hey, we got you a franchise QB wide receiver running back in the best offensive line in football. Don't screw this up. Yeah. Like, how much cushion <laughs> do you think he has? I think the biggest cushion you have is how much you suck up to Jerry Jones. It's not. It's not nearly. It's yeah, like that's how they've proven it's, it's not results. Driven. Yeah, you you have to like get Jerry to like you more than put up results. <laughs> so, you know, and so like Jason Garrett didn't leave forever. Yeah, you know? Garrett was there forever. So what? I mean, why Mike McCarthy can't string a couple of years together? Yeah, that's why I'm saying. So, um, but yeah, he'll have a decent leash. All right, so Eagles. Nelson Aguilar's gone. That's probably an upgrade for their team because they want guys who can catch. Moving they on. Just go get that fireman. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, JJ Arcega, Whiteside. What is our value? So the way I look at JJ Arcega, Whiteside is, is that a lot of the times with rookies, we really rush into that first year of them not doing a lot. And yes, I do understand the data along like how first year like wide receivers break out in year two and then do much is like slow and thin. But the thing is, is like I there's definitely exceptions to the rule. To me, I, I think you gotta let the guy develop. They put capital here, so you gotta kick those tires. So I will give our white side another year to just get involved in the offense. And if I were gonna try to make a trade for him, I'd probably move a late second, early third for him. Um and there's obviously a desperate need here for pass catchers. So when Dave was saying that uh, the Green Bay was a per- was a great landing spot, I'm not denying that. I think this is the perfect landing spot for a wide receiver. Um, and I would say that if if Mims fell here in the second, it's an unbelievable fit. And um, Todd, Todd, I'm sorry, they have wide receivers in Philly. I just I think they just draft tight ends, right? They, they have, have they, have, they have Greg Ward. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So um, I really like Mims a lot. So um, I think that Mims being like with the Eagles would be a really good fit. And it's kind of, I mean, they have a fantastic young quarterback who just needs to stay on the field, you know. But um, I think the most fantasy relevant thing that happened this offseason in the Philly, though, is is Jordan Howard leaving because it just makes Miles Sanders that much more appetizing. Miles Sanders season, baby. Yeah. So. There's literally nothing in front of Miles Sanders. And the other thing is that the Dallas Cowboys line is not ranked the number one line in football. It's Phillies. And they have a young uh, tackle in Andre Dillard, who's going to be in year two. And if he develops, that's a big bust. I mean, it's a big boost. So, big bust. If he doesn't develop, it's a bust. Yeah, he might have a nice bust, Tyler. I don't know. Yeah. I, look recently, yeah. I mean, Dave's got me. Saucy over there, Tyler. It's pretty much saying that in the draft, right? Jeez, why well, you guys got me flustered. Uh, in the draft, the big thing is like, does a wide receiver fall to Philly? And who is it? You know, it's the perfect spot. Like, now, if a wide receiver falls to Philly, like, their draft capital is going to skyrocket immediately because it's you know they got everything in the place to be a good team except wide receivers you know so guys any thoughts on philly uh just quickly i mean i agree todd great wide receiver landing spot um 
I think um, I don't think Miles Sanders is going to finish the season as a top five opportunity. Just the way that um, they use their offense, they're like they use their running backs in that offense. Yep. But he's such a he showed that he was such a dynamic runner, and his receiving floor. I think he just has he's a pretty safe young running back, which is just, he's really t- appetizing. I think I took him at three oh three in a recent start mock for well, I mentioned Monocle Dynasty, and I was really happy with that. I like that pick so, a lot when you did that. Sean. Yeah, I think you got to buy in on Sanders kind of just because of what she laid out. Um, you know, I don't think I'd be buying our Sega Whiteside. I hear, I hear the argument of freshman receivers. You got to take it slow. They don't do a ton. You know, the payoff isn't really there immediately with most of them. But, you know, I think his season in review, he didn't show too many benchmarks of, you know, oh, man, like he's breaking his routes a little bit sharper. He's finding the se- the pockets a little bit better. And it just seemed like they kept throwing this opportunity in his face and he couldn't even get a finger around it, let alone grab it. I mean, I think my argument for for our Sega Whiteside isn't anything based off of what I actually saw in the field or what I saw in numbers. I think it's more of they don't have a choice but to give him a shot. You yeah, know what I mean? so I, I guess my, my highlight argument there would be then I'd rather pay face value for him later when he's proven then move a second second round for him now, even if it's a late round pick. Yeah. So I would say ideally early third would be how to do. But if I'm getting pushed into a late second, I would probably be okay with that. Because the thing for me is like when you're looking at a late second, you're looking at a guy who has a good opportunity probably. You know, it's not a stud. It's a guy who had a good landing spot who you might like. You know, like I look at like Tyler Johnson ending it up in a good spot, right? And you're telling me that I'm going to either have Tyler Johnson who can have catches and possibly a bad offense where he could get touches, where I have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with a lot of great pieces around him, and they didn't go out and get a wide receiver, and I'm going to go out and grab him, you know? So, like, those are the kind of things that I'm saying is, like, the opportunity's there, and it's actually getting better. And if Alshon Jeffries, for some reason, like, ever finds the field again, like, that does hurt him, but otherwise, like, there's not really much in front of him, you know? So Alshon's cheap, Todd. Marvin Jones, really late. Why not throw an early fourth out for Deshaun Jackson? Because he's always hurt. You know what? If I could get two big weeks out of him, give it to me. Give him to me, baby. Yeah, I'm good. All right, moving on. Next one. Redskins, Sean. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, we, sorry. We skip the Giants. I'm sorry, David. Favors, David, Steve, don't David tell us about Corey Coleman and the Giants. The dream lives, Todd. The dream lives. <laughs> now, now, let me. I have a five page essay laid out to why how Corey Coleman can become a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. Now, listen. Is it double spaced? No, I'm, it actually is. Because that doesn't count. The, the five page document's blank because it can't happen. So, <laughs> so, um,. I mean, I love Corey Cohen, but unfortunately, this is a non-news story. So then Dion Lewis, I actually like him as uh, more than Wayne Gallman as the backup to Saquon Barkley. Yep. And that's interesting. Um, I low- love that landing spot for Dion, Dion yeah, Lewis. Yeah, why I love not? It. And love it. Overall, this is a – I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm actually a pretty big Giants hater overall. I mean, those two super losses by the Patriots to them, they, they cut me deep. Um so, but I'm going to say it. they're a low-key, sneaky, good fantasy offense. Saquon yep. Barkley, he's my second overall dynasty player for me in Superflex. Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Steve, or Darius Slayton, not Steve Slayton, Darius Slayton, um, and Sterling Shepard. Those are, I mean, those are all kind of similar wide receivers. 
but though they're still pretty good values, mid to late yep. round values at wide yep. receiver. There, there's some interesting, and then Evan Ingram at tight end, and then I think they have a backup uh, tight end too, who um, people are a little high on. I forget his name off the top of my head, but oh, is Evan um, Ingram healthy again? Uh, who knows, Todd? Who knows? Oh, just <laughs> um, okay. I mean, hell, I mean, <laughs> I won't even get it. But I'm just saying, there's a, they've amassed some talent here. They do another upgrade, either tackle or center this season in the draft. Um, they they could. That's an interesting offense, and I hate to say it, that's a, a decent amount of weaponry for Daniel Jones. Um, and if he shows any improvement from year one to year two, he's a decent wide receiver flyer in 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 fantasy football. Um, yeah. Now he now get me wrong here. I have been an adamant adamant anti Daniel Jones person. We all know this. I'm on the record. Oh yeah, um, big time. He's the DLF. Um, Superflex QB 12. He's my QB 16 overall in Dynasty. So I, there's, I think I'm a lot lower than consensus. That being said, I think there is an intriguing amount of upside in that kind of offense. They improved improve the the offensive uh, the off, the offensive line. Daniel Jones can shore up his turnovers a little bit. He has that rushing floor, that Konami code. Daniel Jones could end up as a, a low end QB one. <laughs> Might have, this is tough to say here. I right? tough to get out here. Hey Dave, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Is draft capital a landing spot important when picking rookies? It's a great thing in Superflex rookie drafts, Todd, if that's what you're getting at. Oh, okay, just checking. See so have both. Alright, keep keep going. So <laughs> Yep. I mean I'm just hey, look, you could hey, that being said, I still think he's a pretty terrible real life quarterback. But um so good thing we're playing fantasy and ain't real football. Yep. yep. But um <laughs> So yeah, that's my my Giants in a nutshell. I think there's some sneaky and and, and especially in the mid to late rounds of dynasty startups, you can really mine some value there because those players have, can go all go off at certain times. Yeah. Slayton was came on late. I thought Golden Tate had some explosive weeks. Yep. Um, I had some interesting players here for the New York Giants, and, and it's, I'm not used to saying that because they've been uh, like the laughingstock of the NFL the last two years. So yeah, in, in dynasty, my favorite guy. Out of those wide receivers is uh, Sterling Shepard. I think his injuries uh, kind of pushed him down. While Slayton kind of rose, Tate came on, played well. I think Sterling Shepard's the best wide receiver out of that group. And um, when healthy, I think he's going to prove that in redraft. And it's PPR. I the 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 floor is Golden Tate. He always finds a way to find value. Sean, out of those wideouts, who do you like? I think Tate. Um... You know, I've, I've been big on Shepard at times, and he's always found a way to let, let me down. <laughs> Slayton, I do think, was kind of just a product of the moment. Um, you know, maybe he can turn it on going forward, but I don't know. He just seems like a guy that, you know, in a lost season managed to rise above nobody that was standing in his way. Uh, so I think when push comes to shove, I'd rather have the proven commodity in Tate. Even though he's older, his value is not nearly probably what the other guys are just because of their age and performance last year. But I think right. I'd rather, I'd rather go with what I know. All right, cool. All righty. Sean Redskins, give it to us. Yeah. Not, not really nothing to say about the Redskins. They're just hot street trash. Um, their only bright <laughs> spot really Woo! is Terry McLaurin, who was a beast last year, missed some games at the end of the season, but still finished up as the wide receiver at 24. Uh, I know coming out of the draft, I thought analysts were really down on him. Not so much from a fancy perspective, but just in reality. You know, I heard a couple of takes where they thought he was just a cushion for Dwayne Haskins because 
that's how accommodating of Haskins, the Redskins were trying to be that they went and got him because of their history together. But, you know, I think McLaurin's a great talent. I think he's definitely worth owning. Um, and I think he's worth going to get because I think he'll continue to take steps forward. You know, he'll develop his routes. will get a little crisper. He's great in contested situations, which you can't really teach. And even if Haskins doesn't take a step forward, you know, McLaurin can still be really serviceable as a great wide receiver too for you. And I think long-term he's going to be good. And he'll be basically three years from now, if we're still doing this, he'll be the Allen Robinson kind of guy that we're talking about. Allen Robinson will still somehow be under 25 when we're having this conversation. (laughs) But I think McLaurin's going to be in that same boat of, look at what this guy's done despite the quarterback play he's saddled with. But short of that, the rest of their wide receiver room isn't good. You know, they got Trey Quinn. He was kind of a cool name to throw around a little bit last year, but he hasn't really done much. It doesn't seem like he's going to. Steve Sims, same deal. You know, interesting UDFA, but doesn't really bring a ton to the table. Kelvin Harmon was definitely one of the most disappointing slides last year of a player, but he kind of proved that he slid for a reason as the season yeah, went on. Exactly. Sean, hey, hey, I will say this. After their week 10 bye, Calvin Harmon's snap share jumped drastically. It was like 50% or lower the first half of the season. And then he was like above 80% the rest of the year. So that's at least something going forward for Calvin Harmon, who that's had fair. some decent. Yeah, I'm just saying. Right, that, fair. Can see yeah. that there. I mean, um, I, I, still, I still don't care, but uh, it's fair. Yeah, uh, and there's not a lot of competition at that point anyway. Right. So who, yeah, yeah. So, so they they might bring somebody in, but I think their needs are too higher elsewhere uh, yeah. to really be focusing on that. Their running back situation, I think everybody should be running away from, like they're in Walmart coughing in front of you. Ooh, ooh, that's deep. You that's know, they had wow. they already had AP. They took Geis two two years ago. They took Love last year, and then they still felt the need to go out and get Peyton Barber and JD McKissick. Mm-hmm. And even if you discount McKissick because the other four guys are kind of similar, although the other ones have higher wide re- you know, receiver upside than Barber does, they rushed a lot last year. But if you break it down evenly, that still only amounts to about 85 carries per guy. And I think it's, just, it's throwing a dart there. There's really no way to predict it. I don't even think the Redskins are trying to predict it. I would just stay away from it. Yeah. I See, to, to, the only my, that's funny – when you were saying, like, stay away from it, the Redskins are trying to predict it. The reason I don't want to invest in McLaurin is I just want to stay away from anything that involves the Redskins, pretty much, you mm. know? Um, I think McLaurin's a great talent. I, I think if you've watched him play, he definitely runs some phenomenal routes. He's a good athlete. He has strong hands. But to me, I love the idea of him and Haskins playing together in college. They have a coaching change. Um, if for Haskins struggles, they have a worse quarterback that's going to take over for him and, Cal- and Kyle Allen. And, oh, yeah. Alex Smith is still alive, Todd. <laughs> oh, he is? Great. He won't be on the Redskins. Um, yeah, so for me, like, I, I think the McCorn and the other thing, too, about McCorn is, too, if you go look at his stats over the year, he fell off in the second half. He had a monstrous first half. He was a little dinged up, a little dinged up. Sure, he got a little dinged up, but he didn't play through it then. You know what I mean? Like, that's part of football, man. So, like, I think he had a monstrous uh, first half. If you sold McLaurin at his peak last year, you got quite a bit in Dynasty. Um, I just, I'm just not there yet. And, like, 
I'm much, much lower than the most. I just don't have a faith in him not having that strong second half and the fact he's on the worst football team possible, you know? So um, typically, in my eyes, I try to get guys on good teams. It's it's pretty simple. It doesn't mean you can't have a guy or two on bad teams. I just don't want it to be my wide receiver too, you know? Actually, hold on. Let me bring that back. Not on bad teams, on horrendous teams. <laughs> All right, like like the Lions are a bad team, but I would like Galladay. They're not horrendous like the Redskins. Okay, I'm I'm done. So and the thing about McLaurin is is I don't think you're the th- I don't think I think if you have him you you really you like him and a startup, yep. or if I'm trying to trade for him I don't think I want to trade for him I think I'd rather go with a maybe a Tyler Boyd a Christian Kirk Tyler Lockett Jerry Judy's ranked there for yep. a lot of people. Um, I'd rather go or like go old with with Adam Thielen or Debo and go young with Debo Samuel. I think those are just all players around there that I think I might go over Terry McLaurin. But if I have Terry McLaurin, I'm very happy because I didn't have to spend a lot to acquire him in, in Dynasty last year or even redraft. He was he was on waiver, waiver wires, so he's a great um, last round keeper. Um, but that being said, I think the real story with Washington is their running backs. The guys is. I am actually lower on him than consensus. He's my RB29. DLF has him at RB25, according to their ADP. He's still extremely young. Injuries have held him back. I've talked to a, a several um, fit, uh, physical therapists, chiropractic, like uh, sports medicine people, and they all said the type of injuries Geis has had is they're not indicative of future injuries, which is promising. But then again, they don't know the exact – it's not like they're looking at his x-rays at the top, on the screen or anything. So this is, they're just – Going on generalities. And he keeps that, getting injured. Do I, yeah. do I need to play his eulogy of his potential for you again? It's over. I, I Well, I will just say this. The problem, the, the real problem with guys is why do they keep acquiring running back bodies? They keep investing in running back bodies, and that's the big red flag. If they believed in guys that much, then why are they bringing in Barber? Why are they bringing, Why are they re-signing Adrian Peterson? He is, yes. Dave, he's like is, the Sopranos. Up. It's over. Find a new show. <laughs> Hey, I'll rewatch The Sopranos if I want to rewatch The Sopranos. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, good movie. But, oh yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the other thing too. But guys, I'm moving on personally. Yeah, um, me too. I have two, Todd. I'm on lower than consensus on him. <laughs> you just gave a pretty solid argument. Why to have some? Faith. I just said I was four <laughs> spots lower than consensus, so people are all uh, taking before I am. I'm just saying, it's. Uh, I dreamed a dream, Todd. He's my right. lame is that I like to talk about. So, all right. I think that's the show, right, boys? Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know what, guys? I want you guys to uh, – Dave, why don't you tell the people where to find your uh, – when you change your mind about Geis in a week. Where can they find that article? <laughs> all right. There's no articles about Geis in the future. Um, you can find all my my work at DFF um, Dynasty, uh, Dynasty Football Factory. Um you can also Sean and I have some big work coming out around the NFL draft. We're gonna do some rapid reaction uh, wide receiver articles that are coming out as they come. They are picked. They're gonna be in depth articles, not just you know something you can come off the the cuff. Look for those. They're gonna be really good. Um, yeah, and also look for me over with um, John Bowers' podcast on draft, and I'm looking forward to that. So. All right, they took up half the podcast. Sean, where can they find you? Yeah, um, FF underscore Walrus on Twitter. Also with Dave over at Dynasty Factory Football. And, uh, <laughs> just to echo what he said, you know, we got some good stuff coming out. We're laying a lot of groundwork to be able to put out a lot of content pretty rapidly. So we're looking forward to that. Hopefully I will have moved by then and we'll actually be able to do stuff. So a lot more to come. All right. I am 
Todd, the back-to-back champ in our league. Uh, I am at FF underscore Banterman. And you can find my work at the Dynasty Football Digest. All right. Until next time, everybody. Dave, admit it. You still love guys. He's just I, trying to I, I like guys. I so he can go out and get him again. It's yeah. clear as day what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll say, Todd, I took you to the mat a couple times tonight, boy. I took you to the mat. Uh...